0: Stress all night, take your mind off your money
1: and focus on your life Money don't matter, all the stuff it bought It's the way you think, not what you got, yeah Unlock Your Wealth Radio starts now Get your money mind right
0: Get your money mind right here each and every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Thank you for stopping by. I am she, your purveyor of prosperity at the Wagon Halls, flanked by the maestro of Moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we are going to help you get your money mind right on today's show. But first, I would like to share with you a little bit about this show's sponsor, Audible.com. If you have a litany of business books that you've just been dying to read, personal development books that you've been dying to read, or like me, a big fan of spy novels, mysteries, and thrillers, have you ever thought of audiobooks as a solution? I used to have to commute... And what got me through was my rolling university, thankfully, and audiobooks. And because I am so passionate about audiobooks, I want to share with you our special offer from audible.com for uh, Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners. All you have to do to get your free audiobook with no obligation is visit our website at audibletrial.com forward slash unlock your wealth. That's audibletrial.com forward slash unlock your wealth and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Finally, we have our product on Audible. It didn't go up when we first thought, but now you can get the seven elements for self-empowerment. Yes, and it was produced by the effervescent and multi-talented maestro of Moolah, as a matter of fact. This week's Key Miguel...
1: Take action and make assessment.
0: Yes, sir. If you missed it on Monday, Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific, we do Unlock Your Wealth Live at our Facebook page. Just visit us at facebook.com forward slash unlockyourwealthradio and click on the link to like the page and turn on notifications so you always know every time we do another live broadcast because guess what? At the end of the key, we can take your questions. If you have a question you want answered, just let me have it. And So many people are starting to really engage in the show page during the show. It's really exciting. I'm super excited about it because it's really great to be able to share practical application of the keys to riches. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to use it. So this week's key is take action, make assessment. And this is where we move forward and we take that first step toward financial freedom. So tune in to Monday's show at Unlock Your Wealth Live on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Unlock your wealth radio. We have a great guest, uh, very yup young. There's a mashup. Yup and coming. Yup and coming. <laughs> young up and coming. That's good though. Yup and coming. Yup and coming. Yeah. You know, I'm getting lazy. That's my 144 characters version of her introduction. <laughs> the yup and coming economist, Signa Thomas, will be joining us today talking about her pursuits and forays into economics and finance. What women need to be paying attention to as we go forward. We also have a great moolah word of the day. Personal guarantee. Wouldn't you agree? So a lot of people get confused. And since this is a women's centric season and it's also National Financial Literacy Month, it's really critical that we understand what we're getting into because everybody says entrepreneurship is the way to go. And so what do we do? We start borrowing money if we don't have it to start a business. And if you don't have business credit, guess what? Your business can't apply for credit. It's this really weird paradox about you can't get credit unless you have credit, and you can't have credit unless you get credit as a business. So without business credit and established track record, likely you're going to be asked for a personal guarantee. And, and the reason why we do LLCs and we do you know some sorts of corporate structure legally is to protect ourselves from liability, financial injury, you know, and loss of the company. So it doesn't affect us. But sometimes we've got to take on debt personally. And that's what a personal guarantee is. It's a promise made by you, the entrepreneur, which obligates you to personally repay debts that your company defaults on. And so, you know, it's, you know, they, if they ask for, you know, you to apply for a loan, you always obviously put in your employer identification number and it looks just like a social security number, but then you put it in. And then if you don't have business credit established, when they pull that business's credit report, they're going to ask for personal credit. They're going to ask for your social security number. They want to know what social security number that that's tied to, also in an effort to keep you from underreporting income too, by the way. And so then your lender will use that number and pull your personal credit. And that becomes a challenge for you when you commingle your personal credit and your business credit. And and so I don't recommend personal guarantees. I don't do personal guarantees because I can go fundraise and get some investors instead who are in for the success of the company. If it flops, they know that they're out their cash, but if it succeeds, they win too. And so it would be a better play if you could, especially if it's a small amount of money, like, you know, I would say 50 or $100,000. I'd just raise it. I wouldn't bother borrowing it and then if the company goes bankrupt now you're still on the hook for that money yeah so that's what you don't want to do so that's what a personal guarantee is so that'll kind of screw you up but we have a great guest let's meet Signa Thomas. She is the project director of Common Sense Economics and is known as a strong advocate for economic freedom and veteran at the FSU Stavros Center for the Advancement of Free Enterprise and Economic Education. She enjoys advancing economic freedom through educational program implementation, content development, teaching, event planning, and organizational growth. And she's going to tell us more about what she does coming up right now. Cigna, I am so thrilled that you have become a part of Unlock Your Wealth Radio.
1: Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, in addition
0: to the work that you do, I'm just, I'm so inspired by your enthusiasm for money and economics and making uh, the world a better place through quality information as a college educator and trainer as it is.
1: (laughs) so I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
0: So it's, you know, what is it like, so you're an educator's educator, correct?
1: Correct. I do that too. Um, I, Uh, co-teach a Principles of Macro and Principles of Micro um, in the Honors section at Florida State University. Uh, And then I also teach an online course full of educators. Uh, It's a Common Sense Economics for Life course where any educator from across the country and even anywhere in the world can enroll um, in the online course and it's free for them to do so. And then that way they can take what they learn in that course. And as long as they successfully complete it by the end of the semester, then we allow them to adopt all of our curriculum for free so that they can use it in their classrooms full of students, whether they teach online or in-person or hybrid. We have um, it already packaged up so they can insert it into their learning management system if they teach online, or they can insert it, you know, in their classroom as a seated package. And then I also teach, you know, the uh, workshops up in Canada for the Canadian educators who are wanting to insert interactive activities and econ games into their classrooms. So you
0: you phrased it particularly, you said, common sense economics what do you mean by common sense economics because i always thought economics was common sense
1: well it is right like some people are so scared to take an econ class i know just this past weekend um someone was telling me about their daughter that's about to take an econ class and i think she was a chemistry major or something to where you could tell she was a, a smart gal but that she's nervous and taking econ and i think there's just this perception that uh i don't know it's scary and that they're not going to be able to do it. But like you said, it really is common sense. And the common sense economics curriculum is focused towards students who are probably just going to take one econ class. So they're not majoring in econ, uh, but they, you know, they they still need to know the basic economic way of thinking. So the first three parts focus on economics. uh, And then the fourth part, we add in personal finance. So specifically, we go over the 12 key elements of economics in part one. And then they move into the seven major sources of economic progress. So they learn, you know, what creates wealth, wealthy, healthy nations and what kind of economic institutions lead to poverty. Uh, And then in part three, we go over the economic progress and the role of government. So they're learning, um, you know, basically the economics of government. And then in part four is when we add in the 12 key elements of practical personal finance. So they're dipping their toes in the water when it comes to, um, you know, how to leave a, lead a healthy life, um, healthy, wealthy life. And, you know, they need to start investing early and saving early. And we, we teach all of that in part four.
0: That's so exciting. It's so comprehensive. I'm, you know, I I didn't realize to the extent that you guys had that covered, and that's really exciting to know. You know, it's curious for me, and, and I'd love to get your feedback on this, is that studies have shown that women who grad women graduate from college at every degree level, much more than their siblings or male counterparts. And like in some areas, it's two to one from the associate's degree all the way up to doctoral level programs women lead every level of college graduation statistics yet women still seem to be struggling with economics and personal finance what do you think that disconnect is
1: Well, at FSU specifically, um, I would say, yes, uh, women are not only graduating at higher rates. uh, I I looked up a few statistics, and the way they do graduation rates is that they look at it at 150% of the time it normally takes one to graduate. So they're looking at six-year graduation rates instead of four-year. So when looking at those normal 150 um, percent time graduation rates women are at 82 percent while men are at 76 point9 so there's you know obviously the the females are leading leading the way there but then if you're looking at just the normal four-year graduation rates where they're graduating in four years or less, the females at FSU are still, Um, I don't know if I said that. This is at Florida State University. Uh, The females are still ahead with 67% graduation rates, and the males are at 51% with that four-year graduation rate. But I'd say even in our own classroom, uh, prior to this year, we were teaching um, regular macro and micro at the principal's level, and then starting in the fall and now spring, we're doing uh, honors, principles of micro and macro, and no matter whether it's with the regular students or the honor students, I can say that the females in class, the top couple students always tend to be females. And then, you know, like the, there's males that are earning A's as well. But those top few that are very conscientious and you can tell that they they come to office hours and um, and they're really concerned about doing well. Those top few who are earning near 100 percent tend to be the females in class. What do you
0: think drives that behavior for women to win and, and it's such a level or degree that they're outpacing their male counterparts?
1: Um, I would say maybe it's being conscientious and type A. I don't, I'm sure there's psychology studies out there that I've not read that Perhaps show that women are more likely to be type A. I'm not sure. I know I was always very type A going through school from a very early level all the way through high school and college. So I can definitely relate to that. Um, I think you mentioned a second ago that even though the women are, you know, doing really well in class and their graduation rates are higher in the field of economics specifically, um, there are more men in the classroom there's more male there are more males in in the econ classes so and that i would say is accurate at fsu as well um there being more more males i know in my master's program especially there might have been um i can't remember There there were less than 20 of us in the program but definitely the majority were were males in the in the master's program in economics
0: You are listening to Signa Thomas on Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment is sponsored in part by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown with their special offer for Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners by visiting our website at UnlockYourWealthRadio.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Well, that's really interesting. What do you think? Um, because what what are the trends that you're seeing with women in economics education? So it's still male dominated, but that could be that you know maybe because women are choosing more creative stuff. You know, what are the trends that you're seeing? Because, you know, obviously you and I are on the same page because I loved economics so much that that was one of my majors when I was in college. And and clearly you're excelling in this thing. What do you think it is that makes, you know, women not excel in, in economics and personal finance? Or what is well, it that's?
1: Well, I believe once they're in the classrooms, at least, uh, you know, what I've been seeing when we're teaching our principals level, whether with the regular students or the honor students, once they're in the classroom, the females do really well. Uh, I think maybe the reason we're not seeing as many taking the classes or entering into the major is maybe they're too scared to take that step to take the class in the first place. Or maybe their interests just don't align. Uh, maybe, like you said, they think they have a more creative mind. In. They consider economics to be all numbers, which it's not all numbers, you know, like they they should still learn the basic economic way of thinking and basic personal finance, even if they don't intend on, you know, majoring in it just because that'll help them in life. It'll help them in making good decisions and considering the opportunity cost of their actions and, you know, they're gonna need to they're going to need to know personal finance, no matter what degree they get. So.
0: Yeah. I remember what inspired me was everybody, you know, hated this one teacher, Miss Cameron that, that taught economics as a senior. And because I was blood drive chairman for three years, she totally hated me because I took time out of her class to speak to her students, which she felt was very precious. And then on top of that, she, um, uh, you know, kids would get out of her class to go donate blood when I was the blood drive chairman. So I was scared because I didn't want the, the evil Miss Cameron to be my teacher. <laughs> so I had to go pay, beg, borrow, steal so I could be part of the little clique of the football players and cheerleaders to be able to take from Doc Holliday, who was the football coach. But that was probably the greatest thing I could have ever done because he demystified economics. And he taught, this is the one, this is the one thing that sticks with me, diminishing marginal utility and the way the way he described it is even though you're all under age if you were of age and went to a party and you had that first beer it was icy cold and tasted so good And then you had that second beer and it tasted good, but not nearly as good as the first. And by the fifth beer, you're throwing up. It's great that he
1: was adding in that example for you all to be able to relate to. And having a good econ teacher, econ professor, that really does make all the difference because it's one thing to lecture and talk at and talk to students versus getting them involved and having, say, like an interactive activity in your classroom. Uh, One thing that we do Uh, In whether it's the FSU classroom or up in uh, Canada at the workshops at the Fraser Institute to teach diminishing marginal utility, is a banana eating contest or a chocolate eating contest. You could really insert whatever food you want to, but you have the you have a couple of students volunteer and then they rank their marginal utility with each chocolate eaten or each banana eaten and to begin with you know they're they're rating it really well and then by the end it's near zero because they're you know 10 bananas in they're really full and it's not going to not going to be doing so well
0: they're like yeah if i never see another banana it'll be too soon
1: right.
0: <laughs> right that's awesome i you know i think that that's critical so you know um uh what can women do you know <clears throat> we're excelling at education. We're learning like there's no tomorrow. And studies have also shown that women are super great at investing, but yet, you know, when it comes to female CEOs, we're a lot further ahead than what we were, you know, um, you know, 10 years ago, but, but what do we need to do to get women to embrace finance? I mean, is it is it deleting the stigma of money, demystifying economics, because maybe economics isn't sexy enough for us to take as a class? You know, I mean, what do you think women well, need? What's the biggest disconnect you're seeing in the educational process?
1: Well, uh, when it comes to investing in general, I wouldn't say it's even just a problem with uh, females. I'd say... All of our not only students but our population as a whole doesn't tend. (laughs) People in America, on average, don't tend to know much about investing, investing in the stock market. You know, obviously, there's some out there that are doing it and doing very well, but some are too afraid to start. Um, They're too. They they might not understand the importance of starting to save early, and then. With that, they're then not investing those savings. And if they just understood the power of compound interest, I think they'd be more likely to get started early. But someone needs to visually show them that. Like I know I'm a very visual learner, and when you pop on any number of websites, like say you're going to the Dick, um, sorry, the um, the uh, David Ramsey uh, investment calculator website, you can plug in your own figures in there, your starting salary, what age you're starting at, whether you're you know, starting with your real job out of college at age 22 or 23. You can plug all that in there and then see, okay, if I invest this much each month, if I invest a little more each month, how much will that get me at retirement? And if students see that with compound interest... Investing a couple hundred thousand over the lifetime of their working years leads them to two million dollars because of the compound interest that grew. Then they're like, Oh, then it does matter if I'm only able to save that, you know, hundred dollars a month in the beginning. It's still good to save and invest that, even if it's small, because it's going to grow.
0: Right. And, and you know, that's kind of like the best thing because, you know, everybody wants to get rich quick. But, you know, I remember in the year 2000 when Mark Victor Hansen came out with that book, The One Minute Millionaire, and it was like a story on one side of the page and a how-to book. And so it was like two books in one. It was really unusual to read. I, I couldn't read them at the same time anymore. It was hard switching gears. So I read one side and then I read the other side. And one of the things that he said is he says, you know, you can become a millionaire on a dollar a day. And he says you can also get rich quick. And he says, why choose? Why not do them both? Get rich well, quick. Maybe I, I like,
1: I'm going to have to get the name of that book from you again after after this uh radio interview because that that would be an interesting book to read. Uh one other thing that I think not many people understand and know about is Roth IRAs and how that can be a really good investment tool um, when they're investing. And even if they don't know much at all about stocks or what to invest in, and that can be so overwhelming that people don't even start because they're so overwhelmed on, you know, what, what should I be investing in? I don't know the stock market. For, for beginners that don't know much, they can still invest in, say, the S&P 500 index, which is stable enough that if they're looking to invest long-term and they're trying to invest for retirement over a 35-year period, the average yearly annual return for the S&P 500 index is going to be around 8%. So that is a great way of, you know, of investing and when held over a lengthy period of time that diverse holding of stocks has historically yielded both a high and relatively stable rate of return.
0: But you know it's funny that you say that because if your great grandfather would have invested a lump sum of $10,000 when the market crashed in 27, you would be a trillionaire now. Even though I the could market crashed a lot
1: with the trillion dollars, Heather. You know,
0: it would be tough but I'd make it work. Oh, I'd make it work. Yeah. I'd, I'd make it work, but I'd have to go, I'd have to buy a plane and then come and pick you up. And then we'd have to go to Paris to have lunch on the Eiffel Tower today. So it's got to be yes. a really fast jet, which means it's really expensive. So that's why I'm saying I could make it work, but I don't know if a trillion would last me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we'd make that work. We'd figure it out. Maybe we'd have to cut down our coach chair wardrobes. You know, it's like $75,000 a year to maintain a co coach your wardrobe.
1: That's it. Yeah, man. I don't do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do the accessories, you know, because it's all in the accessories. If you invest in Coacher accessories, then nobody's going to notice that your pants were from Walmart.
1: Actually, that that's a very good point. And uh, in my little side business. So by day, I'm an econ educator. I work for the Center for the Advancement of Free Enterprise and Economic Education as the Project Director for Common Sense Economics. And then, you know, on the side, I do my econ consulting, such as with the Fraser Institute up in Canada, those workshops. Then on the side, I also have my little side business, Beautiful and Confident uh, Boutique by Cigna. And one of the things I sell in that boutique is accessories, jewelry.
0: Yeah, you know, and you know what's great that you brought up about that? Because when we had Sharon Lecter on last week, one of the things that we talked about, and she said a million times over the last almost decade of being on my show, is that what we have to focus on when it comes to money management is that you can only budget and pare back so much. You still have to live, you have to eat, and you have to clothe yourself to get to work. Mm -hmm. So the only way to truly succeed isn't about better budgeting. It's about adding income streams. And look at you, you know, you have got three plus income streams and you just keep going. So there's no question that you're going to be successful because, you know, you're not supposed to ask a woman's age, but I already know how old you are. <laughs> and I am super impressed, you know, to see how hard you're working at your age. You certainly dispel the myth of millennials. That's for sure.
1: Oh, well, well thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for that compliment. Uh, yeah, I would say. Uh, it is very important for people to be thinking about additional income streams. Even if you have a full-time job, you know, that's fine. I have a full-time job, but you can still be doing your little side hustle on the side, but do it in whatever you're passionate in. So I love helping ladies you know, gain their style, feel confident, feel beautiful in the skin that they're in. And if I can do that by helping them accessorize their wardrobe so that they feel confident getting ready in the beginning of the day and help, you know, help them with better skincare and cosmetics, smudge-proof lip colors so that they feel confident when going into that interview or whatever it is, then, you know what, I have fun doing that. And then if I can get a you know little bit of supplementary income while I'm doing it, then great. Um
0: Well, and it's a great way to pay it forward and get paid for paying it forward. And you know, as you know, this is a biology-based approach to money management and success. So if you don't feel good about yourself, you're not gonna make effective decisions. And then your shopping is retail therapy. So you're not really shopping for value. You're shopping to placate some sort of missing emotion or something else that's going on in your life. And it's gonna spiral you further downwards and maybe cause impulse shopping problems it's going to screw up your budget, and you know, and then we're going to have money problems, and so then now we have money problems in in a addition to our self esteem or self image problems, and it's just a downward spiral. But when we can get up and do little things to make ourselves look good and feel good, first thing, and we can look in the in the mirror and say, "I am whole, healed, and complete, and I am enough, and I am ready to take on this day, no matter what happens." I'm going to look for the. Um, Uh, best in every situation. And I, you know, that's what really matters. And that's what really makes women succeed. And it's great to see that even though you have a full-time job and a part-time job as a consultant for, you know, a side hustle, you've still chosen to pursue the path of financial freedom by adding in another income. Financial freedom.
1: That is such a key term. Yes, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, well, it's been so great having you on the show. If folks want to learn more about what you do, whether it's the economics that you're teaching, if you're an educator and are interested in bringing some common sense economics to your students, or if you just want to feel good and look good about yourself so you can start your day in a better way, how can folks find you, Signa?
1: Okay, so they can go to my website signatomas.com and I know my name's a little tricky, so that's S I G N E Thomas T H O M A S dot com, and they can learn more there. And if you're on Facebook, you can find me. Uh, my econ consulting page is just called signa S I G N E. And then if you're looking to get a little bit of smudge-proof lip color, accessories help with your style. Uh, that's beautiful and confident, and. That's spelled a little tricky on Facebook too. I, I wanted to emphasize the you know, be you, be beautiful. So it's B E Y O U T I F U L, be beautiful and, and confident if they're finding that on Facebook.
0: Well, thank you so much for being a part of today's show. And for those of you who are driving around without a pencil, never fear, unlockyourwealthradio.com is here where you can visit Cygna's show page, get the links to all of her Facebook, website, you name it, you got it, and so much more. So thanks so much for stopping by. For the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today.
1: UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation.
0: UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2018 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches financial wellness series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.